The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. All right, as Gabe said, my name is Adam, and I'm honored to be on staff with Axe Church Leander. I run the off-site worship, which meets at Roasters in Cedar Park at 7 p.m., It's going to be great. It is tonight, so if you're thinking about going, you should go, definitely. Uh, So here at Acts, we've been going through a series called The Story, uh, which is a a series that's pretty popular across the country, and it goes through the Bible from creation into the resurrection and to the return of Jesus. And so this part, we're going up through Easter, um, and today we are talking about David's story and how God's anointment of David teaches us about our relationship with God. But before we start, would you all pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you that we are privileged to worship you freely and without fear, God. We know that there are people in this world who do not have that privilege. God, we pray for them today. God, please open our minds and open our hearts so that we can be filled with your love. And God, allow your words to flow through me and allow me just to be a vessel. God, we thank you. We love you. Amen. As you have recently found out, the Caspers just had a baby girl, and uh, so this week I have been thinking a lot about kids, not for myself, but just like in the past, kids, and um, I I really love kids, and I spent a lot of my few years uh, with kids and working with VBS and working at camps and working at schools, and I really love the age of like four to ten because I feel like I have this like special power over them. And if you're a parent, you like you know this power and like this is nothing new, but if you're not, like this kind of crowd over here, tune in because this is the best. It's called labeling. And if you're already a parent, you already know what I'm talking about with labeling, but if you're not, this is what happens. So if there's a group of kids and one of them is talking way more than the rest of them, you don't tell them to be quiet. What you do is say, Billy, you're being such a good listener today. And all of a sudden the kid is just gonna be like, I am being a good listener. Thank you. And then like all the kids that were recently just like following Billy's lead are going to shut up and listen because you labeled that, you put that label on him that he's a good listener. In the real world, in our lives, it looks like this. Um, when someone says that you're looking fit, like you're more, like if they're like, you're looking great. Have you lost a few pounds? You're like, yes, I have. Thank you. And then you're ready to work out more and you have more motivation to do that. If you say, if someone comes into your house, like, wow, what a beautiful house. Like, you're like, yeah, it is. And then you clean it better and it, it maintains better. And even at your job, even if you hate what you're doing, if someone says, you're doing a great job today, instantly something in our mind gives us more motivation to do that job, even if it's something that we don't like doing. This phenomenon is because our natural desire for internal consistency. When our body experiences cognitive dissonance, such as being told that we are good listeners, even when we're talking or or even when we're doing something right, our, our body fights to make sure that our actions match this label, match this cognitive ability. This is similar to the process of anointment that we're looking at in David's story. Um, So today we're going to see how anointment is internal transformation leading to external direction for a holistic renewal of identity. I'll say that one more time. Anointment is internal transformation leading to external direction for a holistic renewal of identity. So before we get too far, I'm going to clear some things up um, just in case. 
David, aside from being the guy who defeated Goliath, is the guy who was the second earthly king of Israel and is credited to have written the Psalms as well as uh, being a great leader who led people to write other books of the Bible. He's a very important character. Um, and this, this term anointment is something that we don't really understand today, but anointment is just a, to put simply, is to be chosen by God. And this is usually done traditionally with oils or water, or some sort of ceremony. The closest comparison that we have today is baptism. So it's just like a, a process in which it's just recognizing that you have been choisen, chosen by God. So first we're going to look at how this anointment sparks that internal transformation. At this point in the Old Testament, Saul, as we heard from last week, has just been established as the first man to rule the nation of Israel. Before that, the people just turned right to God and they said, no, we want someone to look to. We want a human leader. We want a man to, to lead us. So Saul was that first person. Um, but Saul failed to, to fulfill what God had planned for him. Saul was not doing what he's doing. He was too full of himself, was not obeying God's commandments. And so when God led Samuel to the house of Jesse, Samuel was expecting many things from this new king that God wanted. Traditionally, a king would be the oldest of the family. He would be tall in stature and be this already commanding person. And so naturally, when Samuel walked in the house, he thought that Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, was to be the new king. The oldest guy made sense. He's like, got it. He's the one. But in verses 6 and 7, it says, boom, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance nor on his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. What we can learn from this situation is that God is calling us not because of what we're doing or what we look like. He has already chosen us for something. And we are constantly being transformed into this image. Lasting personal transformation is a process that takes time and must occur authentically from within. To illustrate this, I'm going to tell you about how one man saved thousands of, of kids in Vietnam. So a few years back, there was a huge problem with malnutrition in Vietnam. There was lots of kids who were dying because they weren't getting enough food. And this didn't make sense because the adults were doing fine, and some of the, the younger kids were doing fine, but it was the, the kids who were, were dying of malnutrition. And so the Vietnamese government enlisted the American government for help, and, and they asked them to ask the universities to come up with solutions. And so lots of these big universities with millions of dollars put together their resources and tried to fix this problem. And so there were solutions like new sewage, they shipped over food, they tried to go over and fix their government and tried to do that, but none of these things worked. None of these things fit the Vietnamese style, their culture, or their government, to be honest, and they spent millions of dollars trying to change something else that they weren't used to. And so these external efforts were useless in their context. They, they were efforts that would keep a small portion of a village active and stable for like a few years, but as we know, like when money runs out, 
the project usually fails or, or when the people have to go home, it doesn't really work. There's a lot of stimulation over international missions because of this. And so these tools were not addressing the true problem. And surely we can relate to this. I'm sure that you have tried to change something about yourself, whether it's losing some weight or maybe fixing like a personality trait or trying to just be more kind. And you look to other people and you look to other ways to do that. You look to maybe a weight loss system and you say, this is the one, this has worked for other people, it'll work for me. And a lot of the times it fails or it might work for a little bit, but once you get off that system, it fails. Or maybe you're trying to do better in school and you try the system that your teachers tell you and, it, and it's really not working for you. Even though it works for everyone else, it doesn't work for you. And this is because the external factors don't always cause transformation. And so the people in Vietnam were, were realizing the same thing. And so as a last-ditch effort, they asked one man, this guy who worked for a nonprofit in America, to come over with his wife and his 10-year-old son, and maybe he could figure out what was going on. This, this man's name was Jerry Sternin, and, and with his family, he went over and he lived in that culture. And instead of bringing things with him, he just went with himself and he brought everything that he needed. And he went and he lived there and he noticed something strange. He noticed that in a specific village, it wasn't the fact that all of the kids were sick. It wasn't the fact that every single kid from the age 2 to 10 was ill. There were some kids who were healthy some kids who were not. And it wasn't because of money. It wasn't because of the food that they were eating. It wasn't because of their status. It was because of something else. So Sternin went to these, these healthy, happy kids, and they went to their families, and he asked the mother, what have you been doing differently? And so traditionally, in a Vietnamese culture, the family, the adults and the children, eat two meals a day. They eat one in the morning and one at night. And for the parents here and for anyone who's ever babysat, you know that kids eat all the time. And so what Sterna noticed is that these healthy kids were eating four meals a day throughout the day. And these meals had not just rice, but they also had some, uh, some greens and they had some snails and stuff that they used as protein. Kind of gross for me, but it was good for them. Uh, <laughs> but this kind of thing was something that was already being done. And so they had the mothers of these healthy children teach the other mothers what to do. And this started to change the entire culture. And that was because they didn't bring in anything else. They didn't bring anything different. They used the tools that they had been given. They used the, the mothering techniques that they knew, the things that were obvious to them. And they used that, and they changed, and they saved thousands of kids' lives. And so this is, this is the kind of internal transformation that anointment can bring to us. Your calling may not see much seem like much at first, but by using the gifts and the virtues that God has already given you, you can nourish these elements of your life and can lead you into a transformation of your identity. With the wisdom of God, you can find healthy aspects of your life and apply that to every aspect of your life. For a lot of us, we look at the people who we think are, are living out God's calling and we say, why can't I teach like them? Why can't I sing like them? Why can't I play like them? Why can't I be as generous as they are? And we try to do that. We try to do things that we aren't meant to do, and that fails. But God is calling us to use the things that we already have. 
He looks at our heart and he realizes that we already have these gifts and he's already designed us to be his followers. And so David, when he was chosen and anointed by God, he didn't immediately put on a crown and lead people. That wasn't what that was about. He went back to tending his sheep. David was a shepherd and and immediately after this anointment, he's like, great, are we done? I've got sheep waiting for me. And he went out and he took care of his sheep after that. And this was just the beginning of how God was shaping David and transforming him from shepherd into king. And this is the same thing as, as we, when we give labels to kids or to other people, positive labels. We don't expect them to immediately already be doing what we're labeling them. This is the beginning of a transformation process. And so what internal transformation did for David was to give him that external direction. So that internal transformation allowed for external direction. And so we live in a culture that is more focused on that personal spirituality and how the world is going to end up rather than the life that is put before us. A lot of times we think about how am I going to fix myself? But we don't realize that by fixing ourselves, that's not the end game. That's not the end goal. We transform so that we can move forward. N.T. Wright was asked to examine the shortcomings of the church in the world, and he put it like this. We have been heavily influenced on one hand by Epicureanism, in which the gods are separated from the world, which we know by a great and unabridgeable gulf. And we have been shaped, on the other hand, by residual platonism. Don't need to know those words. It's not on the test. In which the material of the world is shabby, corrupt place to be endured while we have, while we have to and escaped when we can. This is a fairly devastating combination, which has led many Christians to imagine that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. People quote Jesus saying to Pilate, in the words of the King James Version, that his kingdom was not of this world, as though Jesus was endorsing that Platonic version of leaving the present world altogether and going off to a different one, a different world, perhaps of pure spirit, not only away from the material world, but outside of time and space as we know it. What Jesus said and meant was, in fact, that his kingdom was not from this world, but that Kingdom, but the kingdom that grow up from within the world make their way by fighting. But Jesus' kingdom proceeds on a different basis because his kingdom was and is most empathetically for this world. His kingdom was for this world. And so we are made to serve God here and now. And so as we look at David, we look at verses 11 and 13. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Arise, anointment, for, he, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn and the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And so why was this important? Why was it important for David to come in and to be anointed before his brothers? Because what was, what was David doing when God asked him to come in? What was David doing? He was tending his sheep. 
He wasn't sitting on a chair waiting for his calling. He wasn't sitting waiting for some clouds to part and a voice to come down. David was doing the work that was assigned to him to the best of his ability, and even when the others were at home. Now, I'm not saying that you need to work harder to to get your calling. What I'm saying is that God calls you in the midst of what you're already doing. So you don't need to wait for a map because you've already received the guide. I've seen this external direction in my own life, and if you were to tell me four years ago that I'd be graduating from Concordia in Texas, I would have laughed. And if you would have told me two years ago that I'd be living in Austin for a good part of my life, I would have told you that you were crazy. And if you would have told me last year that I'd be up here speaking to you, I would have fallen straight off my chair because that is just ridiculous. But God has been always working through me even when I was young and didn't realize it. But now I'm seeing a little bit into how God is directing my life. And I don't know the future. I don't know if this church plant is going to take off. I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to still have a job. We don't know these things. What we know is here and now. And so this anointment does not mean that all of a sudden a child in need or a burning building will suddenly appear in front of you. What it means is that you are being transformed. And that... When God decides to put that objective in front of you, the one that you are made for, you will be prepared to do it. David's anointment didn't bring opportunity to be king. It gave him the ability to do so when the time became right. When we are given this new title in God, we are invited to live that title. And when we do, this commitment is what becomes that holistic renewal of our identity. This holistic renewal is something that we all have or experience in one way or another. In our culture, this transformation is such a, a focused thing. It's in a vacuum of intention almost. In elementary school, the biggest question is, what are you going to do when you grow up? That's something that I'm sure you've all been asked many times, and maybe it's something you're still being asked today. But I think a more appropriate question for us is who are you going to be when you grow up? As someone who's about to graduate, as someone who is, is still in school, I'm, I'm facing this question constantly. Who am I? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and I'm going to graduate here in a, a month and a half, and it's, it's funny to look back on my journey that took me here because I did not start at Concordia. I did not start in Texas. If you know me, you know that I grew up in Minnesota, and this is not anything in the scheme of what I had planned for my life. So I'm just going to do a short, brief history of my college career as like a little slice of the confusion that I've been through. So when I like went, I, went, I started at a school called Luther College up in Iowa in the middle of nowhere in a cornfield, and I went into college wanting to be a doctor, so, you know, that was going for me. Uh, I wanted to go into biology to be a doctor so I could, like, do all these things. And I was like, nope. And so then I went to psychology. I'm like, okay, maybe I could do this. I can still be a doctor of psychology. That'd be cool. Nope. Psychology turned into philosophy. That lasted for, like, a month. And uh, <laughs> philosophy turned into, let's see, where did I go? See, I don't even get it straight. Philosophy turned into music, which turned into music performance, which turned into theater, which turned into art. That was like my first two years of my college career. 
And then <laughs> I was like, maybe, maybe I should do ministry. Like that, like same kind of thing. And so then I transferred to Concordia. And even at Concordia, there was many different choices. I, I started with pre-seminary and biblical languages, which didn't work out. And so I went to communications and I was like, okay. And so then I went back to, now I'm graduating with communications and pre-seminary studies. And so this end goal was not anything like being a doctor or wanting to be in biology. But the things that, that I went through prepared me for, for being here today. And so after David was anointed, did he immediately leave his sheep and take up a crown? No. What did happen? We can look at verse 13. It said that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. The spirit of the Lord was with David as he tended his sheep, as he went into battle. And so if you were to ask David, if he were up here, what he saw for his future at this time, odds were he would say, I'm going to be a shepherd. Like, that's what I was called to do. That's what I've been doing. That's what my father wants me to do. But as you look at his story, the, the family shepherd became an errand to his brothers who were in the army, and then he became a soldier, then he became a war hero, then he went back to being a shepherd. Then he became a musician, hey, and then he went back to being a, a friends with a prince, then he went to being a general, and then he went to being king. And so from shepherd to king doesn't make sense, but along the way he's being transformed and renewed. And so I'm sure that you have also gone through process like this in your lives, whether that's your job, whether that's the school that you've chosen, whether that's relationships that you've been in. A lot of times in, in our lives we sit and we think, this is where I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to do. And then a year later, you're in a completely different place. And so holistic transformation is not a quick fix to a new title. It's the complete reconstruction of your identity to fulfill the purpose that God has given you. Francis Chan noted that when people give their lives to God in exchange for a ticket out of hell, there's often no turning or change of direction, which is the definition of repentance. If all you want is a little Jesus to spiritualize your life, a little extra God to keep you out of hell, you're missing out on the fullness of life that you were created for. Going back to this idea of labeling, we also know what happens when we don't fit the label set before us. This term that I mentioned before, cognitive dissonance, is what happens when our mind claims one identity and our actions claim another. This plays out in, in lying or cheating or, or living unfaithful lives. We do it all the time. It's that feeling of knowing that we're doing something wrong. And so we live in this dissonance and our bodies physically seek out our, our bodies physically seek out that truth, and, and when we don't live in that truth, our bodies reject that. We physically get sick, and we know that our mind and our body is connected. This kind of stress is such a harmful toxin to our bodies, and it can cause even more serious complications throughout our lifetime. This kind of dissonance can also appear in our spiritual life as well. When your internal transformation does not match that external direction that God lays out for you, there's a dissonance between your life and, and the one that God builds. Look at Jonah, who didn't want to go to Nineveh, didn't want to do evangelism there, 
got eaten by a whale, got spit out on the beach, and he still complained. He was not living out that. And we can, we can experience that. We can look at that transformation in the journey of Saul to Paul. In the past, when he was Saul, he was, he was persecuting Christians. He was not living out what God had planned for him. But then scales fell from his eyes, and he saw, and his life was transformed. And we now see him as one of the, the main authors of the Bible. But the great thing about dissonance is that by, it, by definition, it intends resolution. Dissonance, by definition, intends resolution. Just look at that story of Paul. His story, his, his life persecuting Christians was not the end. He was transformed and his life was then fulfilled. He was able to, to see the world around him in an incredibly different way, the way that God wanted for him. And so Jesus offers you a label as well because Jesus offered you a label as his own. And so as loved children of God, when you, accept that, when you accept that label, when you accept that identity, the dissonance in your life resolves. When Jesus chose to die, he was choosing you. He was anointing you. Oswald Chambers puts it like this. The natural heart will do any amount of serving, but it takes a heart broken by the conviction of sin and anointed by the Holy Ghost and crumpled into the purpose of God before the life becomes that sacrament of its message. Jesus anointed us with his blood so that our heart can be renewed daily and so we can have that opportunity to follow him changing our destiny forever. Would you all pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for that sacrifice that allowed us to be transformed in your image. God, we know we are here today, and, and a lot of us are experiencing that dissonance in our life. We are experiencing that hardship, that struggle that we're not familiar with. And God, we know that you have transformed us and you are always anointing us and, and making us new. God, help us to see that today. Help us to understand that your love is greater than anything in our life and that your love is the complete of the relationship. God, you bring us wholeness, you bring us purity, and you bring us life. We love you and we thank you for that sacrifice. Help us see that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.